Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was, to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp, and welcome back for another episode of the Keto Naturopath. Today, we're going to be finishing up our conversation with Joan Ifland, Dr. Joan Ifland, on food addiction, on processed food addictions more specifically. I hope you have even re-listened to some of these podcasts because what she's saying really challenges a lot. I appreciate the content, the knowledge that she has, but I really, I think I appreciate more her courage for presenting it because uh, I listened to her first at a keto conference, of course, which doesn't mean everybody's related, you know, their topic has to be related to the ketogenic way of eating, of course. So her aspect was the processed, the chemicals in our food, which she considers toxic substances, and certainly so do I. The most conspicuous are the sweetener, the alternative sweeteners. And um, she certainly doesn't go into the whole FDA thing and why do you want to know more about this. The problem is that there's just so many substances and the way things get approved through the FDA is vague. They just have to get to the letter of grass generally regarded as safe. So after that, you know, unless it kills people or you can really verify a negative, it's there. So that's why they're in our foods. But she also has talked about, and I hope you remember, and she'll go into it a little bit again, is like the whole migration from the cigarette companies into the food companies. Obviously, the profitability had fallen, but they knew something. They knew how to make a substance very addictive. So it wasn't just tobacco that they worked on when they were in the cigarette companies, whether it's Reynolds or Camel or, and all those brands. And so they had hundreds of other chemicals that were added to the tobacco. And yes, we know that nicotine is bad. Certainly it's bad. But all these other things, just like in wine, by the way, there's a lot of other things in wine that you don't know about because it doesn't have to be labeled, um, that these are the ones that this is where the science is, the whole neurotransmitters and creating an addiction. There's a very strong word, creating an addiction. And yet they move into the food industry. Now they bought food companies. And now uh, processed foods for most people seem to be a wonderful thing to have, a quick fix. Just grab it and you're good and you got your nutrition. Well, it's really not that way at all. Most of the processed food is not very nutritious and it is loaded with a lot of additives that, that make you like it. 
So that's one aspect. That's just the science aspect. This stuff makes you develop a certain craving, a certain, and the craving is turning on the the dopamine, the serotonin, cannabinoids, cannabinoids, uh, receptors, the uh, opiate receptors. So it gets pretty sophisticated at the same same time of turning out, off the pathways to the frontal cortex, which is the reasoning and the thinking and the thoughtfulness. So it's all in one direction, as we talked about before, with my analogy of the greyhound racing. So, you know, they're all one direction. Nobody's, those dogs aren't thinking about, maybe I really am not in the mood to chase another, you know, ragdoll around the track. So the, where we go with this third part is, so what do you do with all this? We go in more and more, and the, the thing about addiction in general, and then certainly food, and I, I re-listen to the podcast myself and take notes. Uh, I just think they're wonderful, the conversations with such a, a person who has the experience as well has done the research. And so, you know, one of the points that she brings up, the challenge, it challenges, continues to challenge, is my conception of the benefits that people experience from the ketogenic diet. So she has been so bold and thoughtful and courageous as to bring up the idea of maybe most of the benefits for the high-fat, low-carb diet, the ketogenic way of eating, is from taking out all the processed foods. Well, there's an assumption that a lot of people go into keto and they don't take up processed foods. They actually just get into a different kind of processed foods. But let's go with the idea that uh, people go into keto, they go kind of to a whole foods aspect, and therefore they've taken out the processed foods. If that was the case, then that would be a valid question. You know, when you take out all these addictive substances that are stimulating your brain to make you do one thing, which is what her specialty is all about, is that, well... Maybe that is, you know, it's a very potent variable of the ketogenic diet. So she works on it alone as let's get the stuff out of your diet. And she does it in a way that's non-judgmental and not uh, non-goal-oriented, just what she calls the uh, mirror neurons. That is, collect a good group. Think of the 12-step program. People go in a room, they're eyeball to eyeball, and they're basically gradually, collectively improving the quality of their lives by stopping this thing uh, relative to the, the specifics of that particular 12-step program. So if it's alcohol, drink less alcohol. Drink no alcohol, actually. Um, if it's narcotics, it's the same thing. So it's getting in a tribe that has better values, that has better actions, and by visually being there, and so now she's recreated that whole sort of 12-step, if you will, room full of people by doing a Zoom transmission. So now you have all these people looking at you and looking at each other and supporting a better quality of change. I think that's very clever. So it's the visual. The point was it's the visual. So one was the knowledge of, yes, all these things are in the food and all these things stimulate these very these uh, different neurotransmitters that I've listed. And they also stultify, turn off these other neurotransmitters. So you're not going to think, give a second thought about not doing something the addictive suggestion, go get the muffin, go have another Coca-Cola, go have another whatever it is you're after. So it goes, um, 
and that the visual is very important. So that's where you get the mirror neurons. You're mirroring the your tribe. And so they look like you, you look like them, together you evolve in baby steps. And different people do it and you hear about other people's improvements and that sort of reflects back to you. It's a thoughtfulness. Uh, she has a website that is uh, Food Addiction Reset, and I suggest you go there. There's a number of handouts that she's mentioned on this podcast that you'll see how thoughtful it is. And so it's the thoughtfulness behind what you're eating. If that concept seems a little bit too wishy-washy, blame me. Those are my words, not her words. But the thoughtfulness is the part of the brain, frontal cortex, prefrontal cortex, that has been turned off through all these processed foods. Okay, then. The question is, how do you turn it back on? Really, two steps. And two steps is to get them away from the cueing. So think about an alcoholic. Well, you don't you don't tell an alcoholic make fewer trips to the pub or the bar or whatever. You tell them or you get them not to go to the bar at all. So that's because there's a lot of cueing to drink alcohol when you go into a bar, right? So if you can diminish the cueing, remove the cueing, that same thing is with foods. You know, what are these particular foods? It's in that particular person's life. Remove the cueing that they had for that particular processed food. It's simple. It takes. It's a long process. It's a slow process, but it's a pro. So is life, right? You're you're increasing the quality of your life. Nothing happens overnight, um, and it's a very holistic, very thoughtful way of doing this. So you go to her website. You'll see that there's a number of handouts you can look at that. Uh, will support, in the very least, open your eyes. And then you, she always has her program, which is to join in to listening to other people's stories and how helpful that is. So you're not working in isolation and you can exercise your mirror neurons. I just wanted to mention that I just so appreciate uh, her work. She co-wrote the textbook on processed foods and now it's going to start to be used at various universities and in one medical school on the West Coast. Um, but she sees these processed foods, all the hundreds of different kinds of additives that are, that are put in, um, to foods. There is, they're not foods at all, but they're addictive, toxic substances. So this is what she's doing. And from her website that I'm looking at now, these addiction-like changes found in the brain of overeaters are hyper-addictive pathways. Pathways also known as the pleasure or craving pathways. It includes serotonin, dopamine, opiate, endorphins, endocannabinoids in overeaters. And so overeaters of processed foods. So it's interesting to have to work with the knowledge of, hey, this is a processed food. It's got this stuff in it. It's got these toxins in it. Done. Uh, the other aspect is she gets into uh, her diet, which does have veggies in it and uh, some um, some starchy vegetables, is it really has to be organic. And why is that? It's because certainly it's a page right out of naturopathic medicine for the last 30 years of my life, is that the pesticides and the herbicides and all these things they put on the veggies that are not organic, and even organic as a label has been challenged, unfortunately. It's not what it was 20 years ago. Uh, but these are not only, well, they're toxic, obviously, and they are doing a lot of destruction, if no other place, in your microbiome. 
but many of the pesticides and herbicides are neurotoxins, and uh, they are correlated with things like Parkinson's and uh, multiple sclerosis even. So this is what we're dealing with, and that's sort of the academic knowledge, the process of pulling back from that lifestyle that you've created, if you're one of these people, to a place that has less of that, coffee and alcohol on that list, we get into talking a little bit about that, is step by step. And simply being aware, removing yourself from the queuing, and obviously stop having the particular food that might be the one or ones in your particular life. I'll say no more, and let's get into the part three of the interview with Dr. Joan Eflin. Take care. And and, and that is so true. What I liked about the, your topic in your presentations is that you, because that was a thorny issue, you know, this whole, because up until your presentation, the issue of food quality was, you know, have organic, have people, oh, that's expensive, have, you know, your special meat, if you're going to have meat and, you know, you get the Alaskan free, you know, uh, salmon up there, not the farm raised. And it, it got to be a kind of a list. You took it and, and, and addressed toxins in a, in a roundabout way, but calling it processed foods and just got that off the plate without having to go into the minutia of it all. It's like, do you know about glyphosate? Yeah. Do you know about uh, organic pesticides? No. Or, you know, you didn't have to get into that. It, and it yeah. just moved it over there. It's off your plate now. And uh, to me, I thought, wow, because that's, that's the issue nobody else wants to go into. And you addressed it without having to go into it. And that's, that's really pretty cool. It's just smoking. Yeah, it's just smoking. It's just the tobacco companies, two things. One, yes, they were losing their tobacco market, but there was also research already at that time to show that when people quit smoking, they move over to processed foods. So tobacco knew where that darn market was going, and they just like, oh, let's go over there, and we'll catch this wave. This wave is moving from tobacco. We'll just catch this same wave over here in processed foods. And they did. And it's just been horrible. It's just been horrible. But that, it just, if you can just bear that in mind, this is smoking. This is smoking. This is nicotine addiction, but there are, there are just hundreds of substances involved in processed foods. It's not just nicotine, sugar, and what is that? Pyrocene. They've, they've done other things to make cigarettes addictive. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just smoking. It's smoking with addictive substances that have mixed, been mixed into our food or presented as food. But it's not any more complicated, really, at its core than smoking. If you can just hold on to that image, yep. you, just, you, you plow right through a, a lot of Absolutely you do. nonsense and you get right to the real problem. So, Joan, in your evolution of learning and, and also working with people, do you eat the reflection back? So you said, no, you realize this after, you know, it's like you gave up the sugars and so on. Well, I look at it. When I hear your talk, I go, here's my cup of coffee I've been having while I've been talking to you. And I go, well, coffee's on that list. You know, alcohol's on that list. I mean, I don't, you know, I go, should I? You know, I, I think twice. I've gone through this. I haven't thought that much about it since I left med school when you had to go through those intense classes, you know? I go, so so where am I? You know, and so I know, I know. You got to bring it in. Yeah. You got to bring it in. And so do you go, you know, have as as the physician side of things, you're 
I was kind of put into like, oh, you're the Puritan, meaning you're Dr. Gold, you're the Puritan, you must have a great diet and so on and so forth. It's like, uh, I, I have a pretty, really pretty good diet, but I do like alcohol and I have coffee, so it's not perfect. Do you go, there's moderation because there's a lot of addiction that's not moderation. It's like, it's no, it's no. <laughs> it's, it's just like cigarettes. Every time you smoke a cigarette, it hurts. Every time you drink a cup of coffee, it hurts your body. Every time you have an alcoholic drink, it hurts your body. You can't get around that. No. It's, it's really clear. Like the caffeine, how does caffeine work? So you have your wonderful, beautiful nervous system, which is in charge of keeping you calm and happy, and it has receptors on it. How does coffee work? Coffee goes over to the calmness receptor, aldosine, and blocks it. Mm -hmm. So you're not more energetic, you're less calm. That is horrible to think that this lovely calmness function on your, your nervous system is being blocked. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, so uh, alcohol is a central nervous system suppressant. So mm -hmm. do you really want your central nervous system, your spine and your brain to be suppressed, to be depressed? No, that's no. interesting, right? So back, so don't you, hate me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you find that certain addictions are paired. I mean, I don't know, they're paired probably foursomes and tensomes or whatever. But you would definitely, at least in my recognition, is you definitely see the caffeine with some sort of alcohol out there. You know? Yeah. Lack of calm yeah, versus calm. Good. So the doctoral research I did was I took the, the addictive behaviors and I reworded them for eating. And I said, uh, if you're engaged in this behavior first, yes or no, are you engaged in this behavior? Yes. Yes, I am. If yes, go over to here to this list of like a hundred foods, check off the foods that you're using and then how often. So um, we, we use that method to rank foods by addictive natures. Cookies was number one. Cookies. Oh, cookies. And then number two was coffee with sugar and cream. Oh, right. So black coffee was way, way down the list. It was like not addictive. Hmm. But when you combine, remember we talked about combining? When you combine yeah, yeah. these ingredients, it becomes highly addictive because you're activating more different pathways. So, yeah, I mean, there's a whole method for getting off of caffeine you gradually increase the amount of decaf and then you gradually switch over to green tea, or you can just switch over to green tea because coffee has a lot of other toxic ingredients in it in addition to the caffeine green tea does not it just has the caffeine right. so you can taper and it's a really good idea to taper so that will diminish the the headache right yeah. interesting that's that sounds right out of have you ever uh, connected with Bastyr, by the way. So you you should have a I class there. Right here. Well, I went to a beautiful concert on their campus. <laughs> they have this unbelievable concert hall, which I'm sure you've been in. Yes, yes, right. They bought the school when I was there. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they have you, you have to contact them. Uh, it's it's almost incumbent upon you. It should be incumbent upon them to contact you. But um, you should speak because for the things you're pulling together, because you can pivot in any direction, and it really needs to be addressed at that place. Uh, and you can do well, it. In, if you have any contacts there, um, please let me I've been know. away for a while. Well, Doug tried to contact Joe Pizzorno, who was the former. I mean, he was one of the co-founders. 
And then uh, his daughter was there. That was great. Yep, that's right. You connected with her. I, I, I don't think he has a positive reception of the low-carb world. I think he's, I, I, you know, it's, it's a turf war, to, to put it in that regard. I don't mm -hmm. know why. It's unfortunate. So maybe you can connect through Raven and see how that goes. And I'm not, it's interesting she's not an ND, and, and uh, given her father's legacy, kind of thing. Neither yeah, here nor there. Eating disorders person. Yeah, I mean, she was very, very nice to me. I went up to her after her talk, and she was very nice. She gave me her direct phone number. So I don't know. I'm not used to calling people anymore. I've hesitated to just, what do you mean, just pick up the phone and call her? Like, don't you send an email or LinkedIn or something? So all those are, yeah. No, so I just say that your your message is obviously very holistic for one. It's very um, neuro based, science based. If you want to even generalize it, so. It, it has such a potency and it's not just, you know, it is roots deep in so many different areas that, but you now say, but this is, I, I, I treat it by eyeballs to eyeballs. This is where we're at. And yeah, we have information and they work away, you know, work to a positive direction from their information, but you know, often it doesn't, the message doesn't come down to that level of engagement. Saying, this you know, is you, you're going kind of going, well, first of all, I have some incredible news, which I heard, last night on an interview with Ivor Cummins and uh, Robert Lustig. Yeah. Robert is involved in Turo Medical School in Vallejo, California. And I didn't know this, but on the interview, he mentioned that uh, that school is going to start using the food addiction textbook. That'll be a first. Okay. And I, if anybody is thinking about going to medical school anywhere, for heaven's sakes, go to Turo University in Vallejo. Right. Not the. I mean, I, the East Coast is a different branch of that university, but they have a brilliant, absolutely brilliant, very forward-thinking dean. Yeah. Uh, I think his name is. Oh gosh, I'm going to embarrass myself. Clearfield, Dean Clearfield. Yeah. Um, and I had a wonderful conversation. I made a presentation there and had a wonderful conversation with him. I was just so blown away by how forward thinking he is and he got it he got it this is the missing link mm -hmm. this is the missing link that's what health professionals say to me all the time this is the missing link this is what i didn't have i am going to uh, next week i'm going to the um annual conference of the functional medicine people ah good in hopes of making some contacts there and maybe getting a speaking engagement there i think they would be uh, they would get this I think they would too. No, I think that's quite the crowd. That kind of grew out of naturopathic as Jeffrey Bland's and the whole I'm it, right? And uh, very interesting. And that he knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joan, we've been talking for a while and I so enjoy it. I knew it would be um, so many different applications and we kept yeah. it on the straight line for the most part. But, yeah. you know, your, your story is very important. Your, your textbook obviously is important and your treatment. I mean, you're, I love that you bring it right down to the simplicity in a sense it's it's it is very visual and it's very engaging and it, it's put such a positive spin on how we use our technology you know it, it's a real uplifting application yeah. um, I do let me just mention one more thing which is this model that I've created this online model and all the programming and so on we are looking to partner with health professionals to wherever they are, like you want to learn this technology and have one of these arcs in your, you know, rename it, rebrand it for your population. We'll teach you how to do that. Or if you have people who are just suffering and can't get started or keep lapsing, 
you know, you can refer. We are, we're up and running. Yeah, I'm open to both. I, you open a door and I'll explore that with you. Now I know a lot more about it. But so in, in my context is that, you know, it was keto because it saved my life. I was a whole different story. I came into it. So I was about me. It wasn't about making a program. And so, so now you know, we're... I've got to say that I don't care what food plan you're using. I right. do not care. I have my list of excluded foods. And it's great if you can move, just keep kind of tight. I don't care if you're using dairy. If you can get off the other 12 major categories, you know, keep using dairy. And then some point, you know, have a look at it. But we're not in any hurry. And there's no judgment and there are no deadlines and there are no, I don't even allow goals. We don't have goals. we're, We're working from these mirror neurons. We're just letting that brain copy other people and, and then what's easiest for that person is what they will work on. And they'll just come back and report that they've made some kind of progress. I don't right. have to set goals with them, which is very nerve-wracking, stressful, and almost always leads to failure. Yep. It's a very gentle, from the ground up, first be nice to yourself. <laughs> that will drive a lot of um, self-protective measures. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's so much fun. It's so, I mean, we have so much fun. The meetings are fun. We're laughing. We're, we're just, and we're celebrating all the time because people are finally able to move forward, move out of depression, move out of isolation, yep. you know, into a really positive space, pick up their dreams again. And, you know, the quilting project that's been in the closet, we actually, we had a contest. I have a needlepoint project that um, I think is 37 years old, and somebody yeah. else had an art project that was 39 years old. So, yeah, they won yeah. Yeah, the yeah. project in the closet contest. Yeah, I've taken a lot out of, uh, you, you were not just an academic uh, interest. I mean, it was a lot of application and it made me look at how I relate to others, both in both treatment, myself, uh, and others. And so that's, that's the kind of influence you kind of want to have. Somebody impacts yeah. you. Yeah. So, Carl, this has been so much fun. It has. It absolutely has. We will be in touch. We're not going to lose contact with each other. And no, 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 no. Yeah. Are you going to San Diego? You know, I'm not. It happens to be, you know, we were all ready to do that. We had a year and a half ago, I made one other commitment. And, you know, you throw a dart into the calendar two years in the future. It's going to be on the same date. You have some other. Yeah. No, we're not. But you're going to be speaking there, right? I'll be speaking there, and I'm doing part two of my presentation. I talked to Doug Reynolds about it. So part one is what the heck happened. Right. Part two is much deeper into how serious is this compared to other addictions and uh, why, you know, a really graphic explanation of why once a week is not going to do it. Right. So um, it's, it's part two is the seriousness of it. How do you know that this is really serious? And therefore, uh, what level of support and distraction and reprogramming does this level of seriousness call for? What's the match? What's the match? To tr- what's the treatment match? Good. I will be probably seeing it on, on replay. Yeah, on the following, and I'll text you in. I bet you didn't know you had a comedic side to you, did you? Um. You know, somebody else asked me about that. I, I didn't. I didn't. I stood up in uh, Boca Raton. Actually, I have tried to, I've, I've made a deliberate effort to incorporate humor into this because <laughs> it's just a horrible message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really, really easy. 
Yeah. It's really easy to incorporate humor because people are general, a lot of humor is based on embarrassment. And a lot of humor is based on bringing something that's secret out into the open, especially if it's embarrassing. And oh my goodness, food use? That's like, that's a sitting duck. <laughs> that is so easy. And then when you, and then when people are caught, you know, they're like, oh, oh, she knows I do that. And you compare it to drug use. It's really fun. It's easy. It's easy humor. It's like, okay, can, can I try out a, a new joke on you? So um, talking about children, of course, very, very near and dear to my heart. What if Joey came home from school and said, oh, you know, Melissa's mother brought in the best wines and she let us all snort as many as we wanted. Well, that's not very much different from, oh, Melissa's mother brought in the best chocolate chip cookies and we were allowed to have as many as we wanted. It's funny. I mean, you think, because you think, golly, Melissa's mother bringing in lines. Are you kidding? Oh my God, that's so funny. That's so ridiculous. That's so absurd. Uh, Melissa's mother is bringing in stuff that's worse than cocaine. Yeah. 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 It's easy. It's easy humor. Yeah. yeah, no, you have the, you have the, because you have a very serious topic, you know, and so you make a little levity, you just have to go an inch high, and it's hysterical, you know, I mean, it's, and, and I think there's that too, you have that dynamic working with you, you know. Well, the other thing to do is to give the addiction a persona, mm-hmm. and that makes it separate from the person, right? So immediately addressing shame issues, and that bit in the presentation where I, I take on the voice of the addiction. Yep. Oh, you want to go study? No, we right. are waiting here in the coffee line. Oh, you wanted to go visit with somebody? No, we are. You know, so that I think that also really helps because then the person can start to separate. Yes. Oh, oh, this is the addiction, and I'm over here. Right. And then we know I'm not attacking them. I'm t- attacking the addiction. So I think it's really helpful to separate. Yep. You know, this, is, this is a, a brain malfunction, you know, way over here. It's I not agree. you. You is up here. This is happening over here. <laughs> so it, I, it does. I think it's working. I oh, it definitely working. is. It definitely is. Yes. 10 out of 10. A- another just suggestion is uh, I see a strong overlap with you and Dr. Chris Plummer. Uh, Palmer, sorry. You oh know, my goodness. You're not, yeah, separated yeah. at birth. You're sitting kitty corner, I think, of each other at the the Palm West to West Palm conference that, um, so I interviewed him and he's such a neat guy that your perceptions uh, and your, your work for one, um, mm-hmm. but your perceptions and how you relate to people are, is very, uh, very similar. And yeah. uh, he would yeah. be very open to that. I'm sure he would be because he's, this is where his thinking is. Yeah, we've, we've been in touch. Uh, we spent some time together in West Palm beach and um I told him my story of recovering from seizures uh, using, I didn't even want to say it, but it was an 80% fat diet, 80-10-10, fat, 10 protein, 10 carb, and you had to measure down to the gram. Right. It had to be so precise. But yes, so we bonded over that too, because he's using that kind of a food plan to treat really a really uh, awful Oh, you bet. Illnesses and oh my goodness, having been through that, I just so grateful to him. And yep. then the other guy, the um, 
I won't be able to remember his name, but the, the psychiatrist from Argentina. Oh, yeah. Right after Chris. He, yeah. Another one. Yeah. See, you're yeah, international. Really the world is flat for you now. <laughs> my my members of the ARC go from the UK to Canada to the United States to Australia. Thank you, Zoom. Yeah. Thank you, Zoom. Well, Through all those time zones, um, we have people who are just listening to the call. Uh, you know, we make a podcast out of the, the conference calls at night. Excellent. So people can listen to them any time of day. Yeah, uh, Zoom is the great world bringer together. Oh, Thank, goodness. Thank goodness. We would be nowhere without Zoom. No, yeah. isn't that interesting? Yep. Okay, I guess we will bring it to an end. It can go on forever. I feel like I'm winning your oh groups. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, terrible. I could talk for days. Sometimes I, I do. So I will let you know when this is out. Thank you, Joan. And have your person get in touch with me, and we'll zip it over. Thank you so much. This yeah, likewise. I'm so glad. You know, I remember you asking all these good questions at the the West Palm Beach conference, and I said, "I gotta go meet that guy. I gotta <laughs> go meet him." And you were so nice. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. Back all right. Take care. Take care, John. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I thought I would take a moment of your time to tell you about something that we've been working on for a long time, and that is our product of C8 Keto MCT oil. How is it different and why would you even care about it? It's the highest purity you can find in the market, which is 99.7% caprylic acid triglyceride. And by the way, that's backed up by a certificate of analysis. It's not just me making up these numbers. But I think the bigger story behind our C8 MCT oil is not only that it is the most efficient way for you to create ketones naturally, and that is all three ketones, your beta-hydroxybutyrate, your acetoacetate, and your acetone. That's important. But the other part is it supports sustainably harvested palm oil. Why would you care? Because all the other C8 oil products out there, not the MCT oils, but the C8 MCT oils, some people call them ketogenic oils out there, they come from palm oil. And palm farming, specifically palm kernel farming in Southeast Asia, is decimating the rainforest there. Absolutely. You go on right now to Google or to YouTube and say palm oil Southeast Asia and you will be in tears at the end of 10 minutes when you see the destruction that's happening. This is not part of that. This is the exception. So it's called RSPO, Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil. You have to apply for it. You have to be audited by them. And it's a long, rigorous process. And it took us two years to bring this product to market. I hope you care. And I know you'll care about the efficiency in which it helps you make ketones. By the way, we don't drink this like it's a fluid. We put a little bit in our coffee. We make our mayonnaise out of it. We make uh, various salad dressings out of it when we have a salad. It's basically a, I hate to say crutch, but it's my aid to keeping me in ketosis when I want to be in ketosis. It's fast. It's long lasting, certainly long, longer lasting than exogenous ketones and much more holistic, as I mentioned, with all three ketones. That's about as much as I want to say. I hope you look into it. I hope you uh, take your ketones readings on a regular basis, as along with your glucose. If you do, then you really value this product. All the best, and I thought you should know.